Welcome to Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla, where it's you who sets the conversation. Join us for the next hour as we take a fresh look at how we think about spirituality. Hello everybody, welcome. It is Thursday afternoon, Fresh Thinking. You're with Rabbi Shishla together until 3 o'clock this afternoon. Streaming live on Facebook, coming to you live on Chai FM. And as always, it's your show. You can participate, share, ask, comment, challenge, or whatever it is that you want to do. That's the wonder of uh, that kind of interaction. So here are all the numbers that you have to know. 34519, that's the number to send text messages via SMS if you prefer to send them via Telegram. And it's 0618951019. You can tweet at Chai FM. You can tweet me directly at Rabbi Shish. You can comment on the Chai FM Facebook page, or you could comment on the live stream, Facebook Live, on my Facebook account. And today is a big day, so we have no alternative. We must talk about it, rather than what we often do. Uh, you know, usually what we do on this show is we take something that is contemporary, something that is personal, something that you may relate to in your life at the moment, and we try and unpack it and see how does uh, spirituality look at it. But then every once in a while, we have a day as we have today, where you don't have to look far to discover the spirituality. This is a day that has everybody's ears prick up and say, wow, how did this happen? I know that on the one hand, it does feel like this year is just dragging and dragging. And then on the other hand, it's like, what? It's already this time of the year. Yes, this is that day where everybody pops their eyes wide and says, it's already this time of the year. Rosh. Chodesh Kislev. What? I mean, Rosh Chodesh Elul. <laughs> this shows you. It's Rosh Chodesh Elul today. I got completely distracted there, clearly. Elul is that month. It is that month that we are supposed to start moving into spiritual overdrive. It is a time that we're supposed to prepare ourselves for Rosh Hashanah and for Yom Kippur, which are both coming at, well, I suppose at speed, even though everything does seem to drag a little bit these days. So what do we do? How do we focus ourselves? Because... Very often, if not always, the way that you begin a process has a tremendous impact on the way in which this process will actually play out. And in this particular case, I know how it is, because it happens every year, and perhaps it happens to you too, it certainly happens to me. We talk about it today, today is that day, today and tomorrow. Tomorrow becomes a little bit more personal because we start to blow the shofar, so suddenly everybody feels it. We start to talk about how we're going to get ourselves ready and and aligned and it's going to be such a spiritual and meaningful and uplifting time and, and then before you turn around it is Rosh Hashanah already and you say what how did we get here I made myself all of those promises and I said I was going to do things and I, I believed that I was going to be in such a good place and then it just didn't pan out that's what we need to talk about today what should we be doing how do we get ourselves into gear and not just for this false start of the first two days of Elul, how do we get ourselves into gear for the next four, five, six, seven weeks as we go through the Yom Tov period? If you've got things that have worked for you, and I believe I asked a similar question last year, if you've got something that works for you, that this is your advice, please share it with us. 34519, we'd love to hear your thoughts. You can also tweet at Chai FM or tweet me directly at Rabashish. This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. So if you're one of those people who's ever gotten a gadget or a device or a new computer or a new phone or could even be, I suppose, a new car, 
and you're not quite sure what to do with it. So you tinker around a little bit and you play with it and eventually you believe that you've got the hang of it. And then down the line, it could be days, weeks, months, even years down the line, you bump into somebody and they say, oh, you've got that particular gadget or phone or whatever it is. Have you ever tried this particular feature? And you're like, huh? <laughs> I, I didn't know that there was such a feature. I, I didn't know that it was, uh, you know, it does what it's supposed to do. I have a phone. It, it, it calls. I, I can send WhatsApps. Take the odd picture. I didn't know that it can do all these really high-level functionality kind of things. And then when you discover what you have at your fingertips, it radically changes the entire experience. And now you can do what you never expected and you get all this uh, incredible um, functionality and you, you're having a, a wonderful, wonderful experience. That's something I think that happens to us a lot. There's usually a, a child involved there somewhere. You know, the child says, did you know? And you're like, what? Oh, I had no idea. There is so much functionality to your PC that you probably have never discovered. You probably have all these apps sitting on your phone. And you know that they do certain things, but you, you've never really gotten to use it. And, and some of them totally simplify life for us. Shortcuts, add-ons, extensions, details, operational elements, whatever it is. It's no different spiritually. We come to this time of the year, we get here, it's like the revolving door, here we are again at this time of the year, and they tell us it's the month of Elul, and there are certain stock comments that have become part and parcel of our Jewish experience, all associated with the month of Elul, that we just, we just know them, we say them, we repeat them, and we share them. But we don't necessarily get to unpack all of the functionality. That's what I think we should be doing on the first day. It's not even the first day of Elul. It is called Rosh Chodesh. It's the beginning of the month. But technically today is the 30th of Menachem Av. It's the last day of the preceding month. It doesn't make a difference. It still offers us this incredible opportunity to be able to do something that we hadn't necessarily done before. We've had this Elul before multiple times and we've used it in one way or another. Let's try and unpack some things of what we could use, features that we had previously not even known about. So, let's start off this way. If you think of Elul, what comes to your mind? What are the classic lines, what are the natural associations that you have with the month of Elul? And, uh, and then what I'd like to try and do, and I'm hoping that some of the classics will come up because then what we can do next is we can see, well, what more, what greater functionality might there be to these classics? So if you, if you, got, if you have a classic line that you believe sums up Elul for you or for what you expect that the community thinks about the month of Elul, please share that line or that phrase or whatever it is with us. You can send it by text on 34519 via telegram on 0618951019. You could tweet it at FM or at Rabbi Shish. You could post it on Facebook, on the FM Facebook page or on my live Facebook. Either way, uh, you know, there's certain, certain classics that always come around at this time of the year. So I'm going to pause for a minute just to see if any of you come up with something that you'd like to share. If not, don't worry. They're a stock standard, so I'm pretty sure I can pull some out of a hat. But here's something about Elul that people don't necessarily associate, unless you come from a particular background. And especially for us living in the Southern Hemisphere, it's not necessarily something that resonates for us. Because for us, Elul is very much springtime. 
So we're looking out and starting to see blossoms, and it's very exciting. The weather is supposedly a little bit better, although the last few days are that, you know, there's always that cold snap that comes just when you think that it's going to be spring, and then you get that last little cold snap since we've had that the past few days. But for us, it's definitely a time that is associated with uh, the new birth, the new life of spring. And yet in the Northern Hemisphere, which is firstly where most Jews live, so it's quite significant to us, and historically, it's where Jews have lived for the longest period of time. And of course, that's where Israel is, and our entire seasonal calendar is built around Israel. It's the exact opposite. Now's the time where there's that sudden chill in the air. And they call it, in the classics, they used to call it the winds, the winds of Elul. I guess here for us in Johannesburg, August is the windy month. So we can kind of relate to it. But there's the sense that there's, there's a wind that begins to blow. And although it may sound cliched, the expression that goes with it is that it's the winds of change, or at least the potential for change. Just because the wind is blowing doesn't mean that anybody's going to change, but the potential is there. Suddenly there's the opportunity that perhaps was absent before, the opportunity to be able to change. So that might be a first place that we could start this conversation, is that there is this feeling, this sensation at this time of the year, and I think it is fair to say that it's quite widespread, this anticipation of the opportunity for change, which is great, assuming that we use it. You know, just because a person is presented with an opportunity does not guarantee that the person will get the value out of that opportunity. So what do you need to do at this time of the year to capitalize? What do you need to do at this time of the year to make it meaningful? And, and I think meaningful is a key word over here because unfortunately what happens to us often is because we use stock standard language, because we have certain phrases that have been passed down from year to year and we default back to those phrases, sometimes it's just a little bit abstract. And is it useful to have an Elul that is abstract? Is it useful to have a Rosh Hashanah experience that is abstract? You know, people often say, I'd like to be inspired. That's great. That's wonderful. I mean, I have no issue with that. On the contrary, if people come to shul and they feel inspired, I think that's a wonderful thing. And that's kind of what we would want to happen. The question then is, is that also abstract? Do you ever feel inspired, but it doesn't necessarily go anywhere? Sometimes we talk language that has kind of religious overtones, but doesn't necessarily seem to be part of the vernacular of how we actually live our lives. So people might talk about things at this time of the year, like Teshuvah. What does that mean? Maybe once upon a time in the shtetl, when they used to talk about Teshuvah, it resonated with people because that was a value for them. But in our society, which is uh, digitally driven, and we're interested in more modern, developed things and how the world's going to move and will we put a colony on Mars and genetic mutation and or genetic engineering, I should say, and uh, cryptocurrencies. So to Shiva, I don't know if it's necessarily in our vocabulary anymore. It would be a terrible pity to have this incredibly powerful month at our fingertips, as we do, the month of Elul, and to lose it in translation because we'd start to ter- use terminology that is Jewish, but isn't necessarily terminology that resonates. And I always joke about it. When a person sees a religious Jew in the middle of who knows where, wearing a pair of tefillin, and a non-Jewish person comes over and says, what is that? What are you wearing on your head and on your arm? And the person says, phylacteries. Okay? I can guarantee you now the person who has asked the question is more 
bamboozled than they were before because nobody knows what phylacteries are. And by the same extension, their, ter- their terms and their words and their phrases that we use quite comfortably at this time of year, but do we know what they mean? Do we know how to operate the system? I'd love to hear your thoughts, your insights, your inspirations, 34519, if you're going to send an SMS. You can always telegram us. Sounds funny in the 21st century. On 0618951019, tweet us at FM at Rabbi Shish. Comment on Facebook. Whichever way you share your thoughts, I'll share it with the audience. This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. Okay, so if we're going to talk about this month of Elul, it's, don't see it as a month. Don't see it as a period in time. See it as an opportunity that has been handed to us, an opportunity to shift, an opportunity to upgrade, something like that. And now we've just got to work out how to use it to maximum capacity. So if we think about it in those terms, what comes to mind as soon as you say Elul? I think one of the things that comes to mind, well, there's probably two, which are, Arguably the most commonly used. One is, Elul is an acronym and it stands for Ani Ledoidi Vedoidi Li. And I can promise you now that as I've said those words, there are people who have automatically shut off whatever's going to come next. Just simply because like, oh, I've heard that my whole life. And I get it. I understand it. It's a simple principle. And the principle basically says that I have to take a step towards God, which is what you're supposed to do at this time of the year, you know, to shiva, extra prayer, extra charity, all that kind of thing. I'll take a step towards God, and then that he will reciprocate later when we get to Rosh Hashanah and to Yom Kippur. And that's why people shut it out. And unless this is news to you, for so many people who have heard this Phrase again and again and again. I have to take the step towards Hashem and Hashem will reciprocate. Unfortunately, when you keep hearing the same thing in the same way, you don't realize all the functionality that lies behind it. And so you could become blasé, you could become bored, you could become distracted, and you could unfortunately lose the opportunity to really have what this thing is saying. So that's one which is very, very Commonly used. It's brought in the Shulchan Aruch and it's probably the most well-known association with the month of Elul. In recent years, what's become extremely well-known as well is the principle that we say Elul is the time where God is like the king in the field. That's the expression. <laughs> this afternoon, somebody shared a meme about the king in the field. It was a, I won't tell you exactly, I'll insinuate. It was a 60s reference, the king is in the field. And what was funny to see is that on this group where it was shared, some people were completely, completely oblivious to who might be the king that they were referring to. I guess that's an age or generational thing. In any event, so the king is in the field. That's one of the very commonly used metaphors to describe what is going on at this time of the year. And unlike the first, I think what happens is that people feel it's a little bit overused. You know, they feel that they've heard it so many times that they don't necessarily want to hear it again. I think when it comes to the king is in the field, the attitude is just a little different. I don't know if people were told the story properly necessarily the first time around. So there are two, two of the tools that we have. There are many, many tools that we could use during the course of Elul. And as I say, it's like getting that, that new gadget, that phone, and you believe that you know how it works until somebody comes along and illustrates, oh, by the way, 
here's another layer of functionality that you were completely oblivious to, that you had absolutely no idea about. But once you get that level of functionality, it's like having a brand new device. It would be ideal if we could do that with Elul. Could you imagine if we could have an experience of Elul, which is I've got all these things that I've had every single year to work with during this period, and suddenly somebody has opened my mind and opened my eyes completely, and and I just see, sure, there's a there's a whole new perspective to what is going on over here. That's what we need to do. The reason that things repeat themselves in Judaism is not simply because there is a cycle and the calendar is cyclic. It's because spiritually, the energy repeats every single year. The energy of Elul repeats every single year. But it should never repeat at the same depth or the same profundity as last year. That would be a terribly wasted opportunity. If my Elul this year looks as it did last year, which is probably similar to how it was the year before, well, then what a, what a waste. What an absolute pity. How do we find something more? How do we scratch away the surface and discover a depth that we had previously never imagined possible? So that's what we're going to do over here today, unless somebody has another particular angle that you'd like to bring to it. Let's focus on those two because they're popular. Ani Ledoidi, Vedoidi Li on the one hand, and the king is in the field on the other hand. In fact, let's start with the story of the king in the field because um, I think it describes the setting. You know, sometimes you have to understand the context. Once you have the context of the environment that you're working in, then you can focus in on the details. So let's start with the context. The king is in the field. So let's ask ourselves a few questions. Where is the field? <laughs> Who else is in the field? Is it a good thing to be in the field? Why is the king in the field? How does it relate to us? And what should we be doing about it? And that's really the way that a person should be learning anything. As the, the Gomorrah fam- famously says, right? You gotta have foch bova foch the Mishnah, Pirke Avos in the Ethics of the Fathers. So you gotta turn the, in the subject matter over and over. Look at it from this perspective, from that angle. Ask this question, ask a different question. And from all of that, hopefully you come out with a new experience and a new perspective and as a result, a new opportunity. So here we are at the beginning of the month of Elul. We're starting a program that will take us all the way to Rosh Hashanah and then to Yom Kippur. And most people think you get off the train at the end of Yom Kippur, but actually it continues through Sukkot and all the way until Simchas Torah. What we do now in these next few days is going to direct us. If we get into a good headspace, if we create good habits for ourselves, if we open our eyes to a useful perspective, we'll go down a route that is a healthy route. Now, I'm not saying if we don't, we're going to fall to pieces, but it is valuable as always. It is valuable to know what you've got and what you could do with it. So the king is in the field. Kings don't belong in fields. It doesn't matter how beautiful the field is, and it doesn't matter how personable the king is. Kings don't belong in fields. The natural habitat for a king is in a palace. And you can imagine, just in your own mind, you can visualize the difference between a field and a palace. And you can appreciate and understand that a palace is a wonderful, opulent environment, and a field is an extremely plain environment. In fact, a field is somewhere, this is important information, a field is somewhere where a human being may go to work, but it is certainly not a place where a human being should live. As we say, today's Rosh Chodesh, and we say in the Baruch Nafshi, there's this principle of, in the evening you come home. 
You, you might have to go out and seek your fame and fortune wherever it might be, the fields of opportunity. But there comes a time where you, you need to come home. So the implication of the field is twofold. Number one, a field is an incredibly ordinary environment. That means to say it's not a place that you would expect to find sophistication. You don't go to the field in order to see a doctor. You don't go to the field to meet your lawyer. You don't go to the field to learn philosophy. Although, by the way, observing the, 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 the nature of nature itself could help us a lot to recognize philosophical or more importantly spiritual concepts. But the field is essentially a very basic environment. So not only does a king not belong in a field, we actually don't belong in a field. We can go to the field, spend time there, use it to our advantage, but we don't belong there. Animals belong in the field. We belong in a more urban or suburban environment. That's where we belong, in a place where there's social, that's probably what we're battling with so much at the moment, social distancing, because we need to be with people, and we need to be close, and we need to be able to have structures around us. So straight away, before you begin anything, you know two things about the field. You know that it certainly is not a place of sophistication or of advancement of, of uh, great spiritual centers, although you can find spirituality in a field, and it is not a place where a human being should want to live, that's for sure. So the implication over there is that the field might well refer to all the things that have happened to us during the past year that have taken us far away from where we should be as people, as family people, as friends, and most importantly, as, as, as Jews. So what's the king doing in the field? That's the question. And there'd be nothing better, of course, then. A little bit of, uh, what do they call it? Suspense. So what's the king doing in the field if even we don't belong in the field? Come back to that in just a moment. Tuning in, this is Fresh Thinking. You are with Rabbi Shishla on Chai FM 101.9 Chai FM and uh, streaming live at that same address as well as on my Facebook Live. We're talking today about the month of Elul because that's where we are now and it's uh, crunch time, as they say. Heading towards Rosh Hashanah. And to Yom Kippur, you have an opportunity to weigh in and share your views or questions or thoughts or insights. 34519 if you'd like to send a text message. Otherwise, by telegram, it's 0618-951019 at Chai FM or at Rabbi Shish on Twitter at the Chai FM Facebook page or my Facebook Live all happening now. So far, we're talking about that most well-used phrase about the month of Elul that it is comparable to a king in the field. Why would the king be in the field? And here's the thing. See, why we're not told the story properly. Because actually, the metaphor that is used is this king who is in the field, for whatever reason, is traveling, coming back to the palace, whatever takes him to the field. And everybody's there. Here's the key thing. The, the, the parable says that the king is in the field willing to meet and greet anyone you hear that? It's not like the king is lost and he landed up in the field. It's that the king recognizes the fact that there are people whose lives center around the field. And that does not necessarily mean that they're blue-collar workers. That just means that these are people who don't necessarily value what the country has to offer in its capital. They don't necessarily value what it is to be around the king's palace. They're in the field. They're people of this earth. That's what they relate to. And the king is conscious of that, so he chooses to put himself into their environment. Wow. 
Think about that for a second. That the king chooses to place himself in the environment of those who are where they shouldn't necessarily be. It's quite an insight. And the parable doesn't end there. The parable says, not only is he willing to meet and greet, but that he greets everyone with a very happy expression. You know, very often you see these clips of royalty, and they don't necessarily have to be royals, actually. Sometimes you see clips of people who think that they're royalty. Maybe they've um, made some money, or maybe they're famous for entertaining the community, and they think that they're royalty, and they walk around, you know, kind of chin in the in the air, nose in the air, like they're some kind of a big deal. And then if you approach them, they look down their nose at you, and they barely say hello to you. Here's a king who makes the effort to visit the environment where you live, even if it's not where you should live. He makes the effort to be there, not just to be there, but to make you feel good. Because that's what happens when somebody shows you a happy expression on their face. When they're happy to see you, you know what it's like. You know exactly what it's like. You walk into a place and people are like, oh, not great. You know what it's like when you go see somebody and they it's like a formality. They have to greet you. They have to engage with you. And you know what it's like when a person, you can tell that they're happy to see you. This is the month of Elul. The month of Elul is a complete opening of our opportunity. Because during the whole year, maybe we wander around a little bit lost. And, and maybe if we're honest with ourselves, we are a little bit lost. Maybe we don't know how to prioritize where our energy should go. Maybe we don't know how to behave nicely. We make ourselves promises. I'll be more patient. I'll be more present. I'll be more calm. I'll be more enthusiastic. I'll be more loving. I'll be more tolerant. We make ourselves all those, ourselves all of those promises and then just kind of, I don't know, life happens and we let ourselves down and we're back out in the field. I was building this whole structure of what kind of a human being I was going to be that would be the type of human being God would take pride in. And then I'm out in the field again. I don't know how I got out into the field, but here I am. I'm out in the field again, far from where I'm supposed to be, acting on my animal instincts out in the field. And this happens to us during the course of the year. It happens to us consistently. We are human. We have our ups and downs. If we're honest with ourselves, and I think that that's the first thing about this month, this is a month of self-honesty. It's not what I, I don't have to tell anybody, actually. It's nobody else's business what I'm thinking when I introspect. But when I introspect, I've got to be really honest with me. So if I'm honest with myself, I say, well, I'm actually quite adrift. Come to think of it. Uh, maybe not just in a wheat field. I might be in an overgrown field where, where nothing's actually happening. So that's the first consciousness that we need to have at the beginning of Elul is that I might well be in a field. I might well be very distant from where the good things happen, from where the connection is, from where the clarity lies. And maybe that's why I feel stressed. And maybe that's why I feel um, that other people threaten me in one way or another, financially, socially, personally, because I'm in a field. And I don't have my fortress. So that's why I feel so vulnerable. And obviously when I feel vulnerable, I'm going to lash out and do all kinds of things that I shouldn't do. And then I acknowledge that even though I'm in a field, this month, Elo, the king, the definite article, Hamelech, the king, as we say on Rosh Hashanah, Hamelech, 
the king, the ultimate king, the king of all kings, the most powerful, most incredible entity that could ever exist, wants to enter my space for this month. Isn't that incredible? So often we get to this month of Elul and people start to tell us this is a time of repentance, which is true. And this is a time of introspection, which is true. And this is a time where you should feel bad, which is not necessarily true. It depends on how you interpret feeling bad. But how often do they tell us this is the time where, where God comes into my space in spite of the distance? In spite of how much I've disconnected, he comes into the space with a smile. I want to meet you. I want to connect with you. I want to greet you. I want to know about you. Now you think about this for one second. Could you imagine what you would feel if there were a king? The closest I suppose we have in today's world would be the president of the country, but it's nothing close. Imagine a king... Imagine beyond the king. Hashem himself comes to you for one minute. For one minute at the beginning of Elul, he comes to you in your field. Comes to you and he says, listen, I just want you to know I care about you. I'd like to know if you need anything, come to me. Your life will change forever. Not just for that one minute. And that's the first step of the month of Elul. There's a lot of steps. I don't know how many we'll get through today. If you've got a thought, Love to hear your thoughts as well. You can share them. 34519. If you want to send an SMS, you can also comment as a bunch of people have done. And thank you for all the wishes. Kodesh Tov to everybody as well here on Facebook Live, Twitter at Chai FM or at Rabashish. This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. So as we go into the month of Elul, we're talking today about the energy and what's supposed to happen at this time, what are we supposed to be doing? Um, I, I feel very strongly that we could miss the opportunity of what's available to us because we kind of lean back and say, oh, I know this already. Done this before. I've had a few Elul's in my life. I know what it's all about. So the first clue that we have had here today is this metaphor, which is very widely used, that the king is, so to speak, in the field. It means we're in the field, not where we should be, far, far from human habitat from healthy spiritual places. That's what it means to be in the field. And nevertheless, God comes into the space with a big smile on his face and says, let's reconnect. Let's get you out of here. Let's fix your life. And the reality is you don't necessarily get to do it all in one shot and you don't necessarily get to leave the field fully, but you, you get to change. You know, if you think about it, sometimes a person will say something that inspires you. It will happen from time to time. Or sometimes something will happen in your life that is inspiring. So it might be a thought, it could be a sermon, it could be a miracle, it could be a simcha. You feel inspired. And inspiration is great and wonderful, but the bottom line is inspiration doesn't change people. People change people. In other words, you could have the most inspiring thing in the whole world happen to you and you could be on cloud nine for a day, for an hour, for a month, whatever. It doesn't make a difference. As they call it in marriage terms, the honeymoon phase. It's going to crash. Any person who believes that you run on the fumes of an inspiration is a little bit out of touch. So that's why together with this principle of 
the king is in the field, we also have the other twin principle. It's no mistake that these are the two most well-known comments around Elul. Ani ledoidi, vedoididi. See, it does sound funny, right? It says, I have to take the first step. Ani ledoidi, I take a step towards my beloved, and then vedoidili, my beloved responds with a step. But that doesn't seem right, because we've just spoken about the fact that the first stage of Elul is actually God's initiative. Coming into the field, he reaches out to us. How do you put the two together? On the one hand, you're telling me that the whole energy of this month is Ani Lodoidi, first me, first I have to take a step, and then Lodoidili Hashem will respond. And on the other hand, you're telling me that Hashem takes the first step. The king leaves his palace, which is so overwhelming and exciting for me, but then he's taken the first step. So which one is it? Now you know how Jewish answers work, right? When you have two questions in Judaism, the answer is usually both. Both of these are accurate. Because in a certain sense, it is Hashem's initiative. And in a certain sense, it is our initiative. What do I mean by that? Look, if Hashem decides to inspire us in any which way that He does. So here in the month of Elul, the way that He chooses to inspire us is by coming into our space with this huge big smile and saying, I love you, I, and I know that you're not where you're supposed to be, but I love you anyway, and I'd love to reconnect with you, and I'd love to reconcile with you. Reconcile, obviously, from our side. God doesn't need to reconcile with us. He's good with us. It's we who kind of lose our way sometimes. So when He does that, this, this gives us this, this push, this shudder, this kind of electrocution. Wow! Amazing! But we tend, as humans, often to make the mistake of stopping at amazing. We make the mistake often of stopping at inspiration. Now that I'm inspired, now I need Lodoidi. Now I start to work. This is where the real growth and development happens. Or to put it slightly differently. Let's say for argument's sake, as a parent, sometimes what you need to do is you need to remind your child how they're supposed to behave. Sometimes you have to remind your child what the nature of your relationship is. You know, children sometimes get distracted, they may take us for granted, they may ignore us, they may even be disrespectful towards us. And it's our responsibility to remind them, just a reminder, hello, who's the parent over here? Or that we don't talk like that in this house? Or you need to be grateful to your parents for the things that they do for you? And then what you hope is going to happen as a parent, what you hope is going to happen, is that you'll plant that seed and they will cultivate it. That you won't have to keep knocking on their psychological door saying, remember who's the parent, remember to be grateful, remember to be respectful. You hope that you're able to stimulate enough of their own processing that they'll they'll take it from there and they'll run with it. That's the greatest knuckles that you could ever have, actually. Is when you don't have to tell them every single day, every single detail, what they should be doing. There's a very famous line in the Torah where the prophet, the uh, high priest, the Kohen Gadol, Aaron, brother of Moshe, is given the instruction to light the menorah in the, in the temple. At that time was the sanctuary in the desert. Later it would be the Kohen Gadol in the temple. And the instruction that is given is to lift the lamps. Not to light them, to lift them. And Rashi, the famous commentator on the Torah, says that the implication over here is he's being told not just to kindle the lamps, but to ensure that they become self-sufficient. And that's the ultimate goal of any influence, of any inspiration. 
it's tempting as the inspirer, whether you're the parent, the teacher, the team leader, the CEO, uh, the, the celebrity, it's tempting to always want to be the inspirer. It's tempting to want people to be reliant on us. Keep coming back. Come back. Come back for more inspiration. Come back for more learning. Come back for more direction. Come back. I'll tell you even how to dress. I'll tell you what to eat. I'll tell you who to listen to. I'll tell you where to exercise. I'll tell you which TV show to watch. I'll tell you. It's tempting. It's unhealthy. The healthiest, most rewarding thing that could ever happen to a leader in any form or fashion is when the people that they have led are so empowered that they actually can now self-propel. The king comes into the field. That's the kickoff of the month of Elul. That starts already from today. Today we start to read uh, Tehillim number 27. Ledavid Hashem Ori, God is my light. He illuminates for me. He opens my eyes. He allows me to see opportunity and to see a path that I myself would never have recognized was even possible. He opens my eyes. But that's it. When you open somebody's eyes, they now become responsible over what happens next. I can't expect that he's going to keep poking his face in. That's why it's one month of the year. But the rest of the time, it's us. And particularly during the month of Elul itself, he gives us that initial push, you know, like a child on the swing. And now we've got to create momentum of our own and get ourselves to move. So the king comes into the field to stimulate, to spark Anil Adobe, that I'll take steps. I'll take steps towards God. And those steps are going to be absolutely personal. For one person, those steps are going to be about prayer. And for another person, those steps will be about Torah study. And for another person, it will be about be, doing more mitzvahs. And for another person, it will be specifically about improving the way that I treat other people because it's a mitzvah to love your fellow Jew. And for another person, it will be to be introspective and to work on myself and do a form of teshuvah. I've been given the push. The question now is, what do I do with it next? We'll come back to that in just a moment. This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. So here we are at the beginning of a journey and we get to choose today. Today we get to choose. As the Torah uses the expression, God says, I place before you today choice. We get to choose. Are we going to go into this Elul as we've done every year in the past? Or are we going to find something unique? And a good place to start is to recognize and to appreciate what's going on over here. As we walk into the month of Elul, God gives us a, a push, a, a little bit of stimulation, because we all feel it, whether we feel it majorly or minorly, but we all feel it. We feel, sure, this is an important time, and I, I should probably use it well. And then we go on with life, because things become busy, and we get overwhelmed, and there's month end, and we're trying to get business back on its feet, because we've had this lockdown, and we're trying to keep ourselves healthy, and there's so many other things ha happening. So today we have a choice. He's given us the ignition. Are we going to drive? Are we going to go? Ani le doidi. Am I going to do something? This is another mistake that we always make. You know, we think, oh, it's going to be big. It's going to be massive. It's going to be overwhelming. No, 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 no. Am I going to do something? Something could be really, really simple. But something that I haven't done till now that I can't promise I'm going to do indefinitely. But between now and Rosh Hashanah, am I going to do something that will take Ani Ledoidi? That will take me closer to Hashem. That will take me closer to the innate 
nature of my own soul. They will take me closer to be aligned with what the Torah expects of me. One thing. I think it's a terrible mistake when people start to overload themselves with 101 things, I'm going to change, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. One thing. One thing that we're going to do. You know, we as rabbis, we throw many, many different ideas at people because you don't know which one's going to stick. Somebody will resonate with this and somebody else will resonate with that. So as a teacher, as a rabbi, as a leader, we have to offer as many insights and possibilities and paths as possible. But as an individual, you and I, got to choose one thing. You know, there's a slogan, I, I forget, I think it was a Mao Zedong quote or, or, or one of these people that Johnny Walker took. And that's the, the journey of a million miles starts with a single step. That's absolutely true for spirituality. The journey between now and Rosh Hashanah, the journey between just arriving at that date and it's another day on the calendar but we dress differently and we eat apples and honey, or arriving at that date and it's this incredibly meaningful experience, all starts with one step. So today's the day for that step. Today's the day to pause for literally five minutes or less and think, what's one thing in my Judaism that I'm not doing or that I could be doing better, that I could commit myself to for the next five weeks from now until Yom Kippur? It can literally change your whole life. So good Chodesh, as we say. Please God, it should be a month filled with blessing. Please God, this month should prepare us for a Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur that will bring blessing to us and to the world for the coming year as we have never expected or experienced up until this point. And may that brocha be not just that we come out of a pandemic and put ourselves back into the saddle, but may it rather be that we get to experience the coming of Mashiach and celebrate together us and the whole world the great revelation of Doidi Li, of Hashem responding to us. Have a wonderful day, a good Shabbos and a good Chodesh. Stay safe and stay sane.